0: Amen. John chapter fourteen today. So we are. Uh, the title of the message today is "What's What's the big deal about Pentecost?" And uh, Pentecost is a big deal. I would say that Pentecost is just a big deal as Christmas and Easter is in the Church of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, we don't give it as much of an emphasis, and it probably hasn't had as much. Um, highlights in the church historically as those other two Sundays, but it really is truly um, a miraculous day that we celebrate here in the Church of the Nazarene. You could probably go to some churches today and they won't even mention Pentecost. And uh, they won't even talk about the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. Um, Francis Chan wrote a book called uh, "The Forgotten God." and um, because in many ways, um, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the forgotten God that has been revealed to us and sent by God the Father and God the Son to be with us. And so today we are, we're going to be focusing on what Jesus had to say to us about this tremendous thing. Um, so what's the big deal about, about, about um, Pentecost? Would you pray with me for a moment? Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to the things that you'd want to say to us today from your word, and I pray that we would, um, we would hear it with ears to hear, hearts that would be ready to, um, to, to move as you speak, and that you would, um, you would help us to realize that you've given us a great gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. August 10th, 2017 will be a day that I will remember for the rest of my life. For you, it's probably not a big deal, but for me, it was a big deal. It was also a big deal for Jane and my family because it was the last day that I served as pastor of the Crossroads Church of a Nazarene in Ellicott City, Maryland. I'd served there as pastor for for, uh, 17 years. Those people had become my family, my friends, I had done ministry and served at that church for so many years, and after when I when I announced my resignation about a month prior to August 10th, I had known that I was going to be leaving for a couple of months. Um, it was uh, it was one of those times in my life where I I had to finish well. I actually called the the series that I finished on called "Finish Strong," and it was an opportunity for me to uh, to share with this group of people that I loved, um, some of the things that, that were really near and dear to my heart, because I believed that it was important for me to finish strong so that they could transition and move on to what God wanted them to do. One of the themes that I said during that last series was, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And I really sincerely believe that, although my heart was broken, and their hearts were broken. There were lots of tears on that day. They uh, There was a big celebration, a big meal, and a lots of speeches that were given, and lots of hugs and prayers. We were leaving um, Ellicott City and moving to Michigan, where we served as the district superintendent in uh, the state of Michigan for three years before coming here. It's been now six years. I've been your pastor now for three years. And... Um, I want to tell you that um, in three years' time, I'm, I'm very much at home. Um, we love it here in Bakersfield. We are enjoying it. I told Jane she's in the last house she's going to live in for the rest of her life. You know, and uh, Lord willing, you can never make any predictions of what God's going to do. But our desire is that we would uh, finish ministry here at Olive Knolls. And uh, it's great. As you can see there, um, I wore a suit every Sunday. Praise God I don't wear a suit anymore, amen. Um, I rarely put on a coat here, I think maybe two or three times since I've been your pastor on a Sunday, but for 17 years, I wore a full suit every single Sunday. Most of the time, it was a suit and tie, okay? And, um, and when I became your pastor, Pastor Brent told me, leave the suits in the closet, so I've left them there, and I now even can wear some blue sneakers, you know, with you. I always thought pastors in California were the coolest people ever, you know? And um, so one of the coolest things is that we're a little less uptight here on the West Coast versus the East Coast, and uh, it's going good, good to be here. Now, I say all that to you because, because uh, what I want to share with you this morning from John chapter 14 is Jesus' farewell speech because he he was leaving them and he was going back to the father he was anticipating the cross the resurrection and the ascension back to the father and he said some things to his disciples and those who were his followers that were really really important he wanted to prepare them for his leaving and so he taught them some things that were essential. And one of the things that Jesus spent a great deal of time talking about in this period of time between, between, you know, when he spoke these words until he ascended back to the Father was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He wanted to prepare them that God was not leaving them. He's actually transitioning them to something bigger and greater and better. And um, because the best had yet to come. They had experienced Christ in his physical form. They had watched his miracles. They had experienced his teachings. And they thought, man, how, how it can't get any better than this. I mean, this is awesome. And he said, no, 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 no. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And they didn't understand that. And so he had to he had to speak some words to teach them. So in John 14 is the very first time that we discover that Jesus begins to teach on the Holy Spirit. He begins to prepare them for his leaving. And he begins this chapter, we know this chapter pretty well, at least the first few verses because we've been in it every Sunday in the Way, Truth, and Life series. And um, and if you remember, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That's the way the chapter begins. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving you, but if I leave, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And then I'm going to come and take you to be with me. You remember that? You know, so he kind of sets the stage. And at the very end of this chapter, by the way, in verse number, in verse number uh, uh, 27, which we'll get to in the end of this message, he says, he says these words. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. So he begins the chapter saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he ends the chapter saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. In the middle of it, there's a whole lot of trouble. Okay. There's a whole lot of angst going on. Because anytime there is a transition, anytime there's a movement, anytime there's a movement from one leader to another, you know this better than any church. I mean, you've been through several pastoral transitions over the years. You know, some better than others, right? You, you can all recognize that. And every time you go through it, there's a little angst in you. Some of you are sad. Some of you are happy, you know? And, uh, you know, but that's going on. But all of his disciples were sad. They were, they were, they were in distress over this. And so Jesus starts this whole, this whole message off about this transition that's going to happen by saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. He's speaking intimately with his disciples here. And he has three conversations with three different disciples. And we're going to look at those three conversations because in the middle of those three conversations, they ask a question, Jesus gives an answer. They ask a question, Jesus gives an answer. They ask a question, Jesus gives an answer. And his answers is really at the heart of what he wanted to teach them. He says a lot of stuff here. so. Fasten your seatbelt here this morning. We got a lot of stuff to share in a little amount of time, all right? So three conversations. The first conversation, as you know, is Thomas and Jesus, okay? Remember Thomas said, we haven't any idea where you're going, and so how can we know the way? Remember Thomas? We've already looked at that in the last few weeks. And what did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I hope you have a greater understanding of what that really means after the last six weeks of messages that we've done on the way, the truth, and the life series. That the life of a Christian is a journey of grace, a way, it is the life, the truth. It is, it, is a, it is the truth that is found in what Christ has done, and it is a life, a whole new way of living that God gives to us as we follow Jesus. He is the only way. There is no other way other than Jesus, amen? And so God says that to us. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in that first conversation. We've done that. But the second conversation is very interesting. Because out of this, we have this question that comes from Philip in Jesus. Philip's question was in verse 14, verse 8. He says, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And so, Jesus says to, says to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Philip comes back and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, you know what? That's not good enough. Just show us God. Just show us the Father, and that will, be, that will satisfy us. In other words, we're still not satisfied with this way, truth, and life stuff. There's got to be something more. We're not quite getting this. Can you just show the father and really what Philip was asking is he was asking that that God would that Jesus would show him God that Jesus would reveal to him or show him the very presence of God himself which is really kind of an interesting question when you think about it because Philip with all the other disciples had been following Jesus now for almost three years three years I mean, I've been your pastor for three years. Hopefully, you know me better today than you did the first day you met me. Hopefully, you're more comfortable today with my ministry than you was the first few months. Which, by the way, was just online and we weren't in person. Talk about a unique time, you know. But they had spent a great deal of time together. And so, so the question leads to some answers by Jesus. And Jesus first of all says that the question that Philip asked really shows Philip's immaturity. It shows his immaturity, and notice the response. He says, Jesus answered and said, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, how can you say, show us the Father? In other words, Jesus is saying, you, are you serious, Philip? Really? I mean, I've been with you. I, we've, we've, we've walked together. We've eaten together. We've slept probably in the same room together. We, you've heard all of my teachings, my miracles. I have even said to you on several occasions that the Father and I are one. We are one and the same. If you see me, you see the Father. And if you see the Father, you see me. We are one in essence. We are one in unity. We, I am God, he is saying there. And so Philip, Philip was, Philip was really kind of at a disadvantage a little bit because the Jewish teaching of the day was that no one could physically see God. It would be impossible. Actually, remember all the way back to the teaching of Moses, what was God was he was in a burning bush. You could hear his voice, but you couldn't see him, you know. And if you did see him, you'd die. Remember, the voice came and said, don't come any closer. The place you're on is holy ground. And so the Jewish understanding of that day and time was that God could not be seen. So the question was, a, was an obvious question to Philip. But in light of his ministry and his following of Jesus, he was, he was still not getting it. Now, I don't know about you. But have you ever been in a place where you go, I still don't get it? I mean, come on, be honest. Sometimes you're like, Lord, I'm a little dense here. I need a little more help. And imagine if you were trying to follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Imagine if you were trying to follow God in your own strength, your own wisdom. And that's exactly what Philip was doing, even though he had the presence of Jesus Christ right there before him. So this question shows his immaturity. Second thing you'll see there is that Jesus, in answering this question, reaffirms his divinity. He reaffirms who he is. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Don't you believe that, Philip? I've been teaching you that along the way. The words I say to you are not just my own, rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. In other words, Jesus says to him, Listen, I am who I said I am. I am God. I am one with the Father. And here's what I'd really like you to do to increase your maturity in the Lord. I want you to believe what I'm saying based upon just what I say. He says, believe me when I say that I am am in the Father and the Father is in me. He said that the greatest mature Christian says, God says it, I believe it, that settles it. I don't need any other explanation. I've come to the place where I have such faith in the Lord and such assurance in God's grace and his power and what he has revealed to us in his holy word that I take what he says at face value. That doesn't mean that I never have a question. That doesn't mean that I don't want to discover more. That doesn't mean I understand more. But I've come to the place where I believe. And belief is not just mental assent. Belief is belief in your will, in your heart where you believe. He said, believe me at that level, or he says, at least believe the evidence of the miracles themselves, which, by the way, is a lesser level of belief. This is a higher level of belief. This is a lesser level of belief. In other words, he says, if you don't believe me based upon what I'm saying to you, would you at least believe based upon what the miracles that I have done? I have raised the dead. I have fed people. I have healed the sick. I have done, you've seen miracle after miracle in the ministries that I have have done over the last three years with you, Philip. Would you at least believe that there must be something greater than me just being a human being here? I am God. I am divine. And so we have the reaffirmation of his divinity that happens in this answer to the question show us the father really that's not really the issue that that he really wants to get to but it's really important that they understand that jesus is divine because this whole idea of i am in the father and the father is in me is also connected to the spirit who's in the father who's in the son who is also in the spirit and so you have what we call the trinity the father the son and the holy spirit three distinct persons all one god all one yet they are unique in their unique their unique roles but they are in complete unity with one another because one doesn't operate without the other they always operate together And that's what Jesus was saying to them. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. And when he begins to talk about the Spirit, he said, the Spirit is in me. And I am in the Spirit. And so if you have the Spirit here, you have Jesus here. And if you have Jesus here, you have the Father here. Yet they are all one. They are all God. And he makes that very clear there. The next thing that you'll see there, his followers would do even greater things because this is when Jesus turns into talking about the future now. He's leaving them. He's talking about where you're going to go, what life's going to be. And here's what he says. I tell you the truth, Philip, Thomas, and the rest of the disciples who are listening, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Well, that's pretty cool, right? If you have faith in me, you're going to do what I've been doing. In other words, you're going, to, you're, going to, you're going to love like me. You're going to serve like me. You're going to care like me. You're going, to, you're going to believe like me. You're going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Your life is going to be different because you're going to be like Jesus. We've heard that on the journey of grace. But then he ups the ante a little bit here. He says, he will do even greater things than these because I I am going to the Father. Jesus says to them, it's better for me to go because I am going to the Father. You're actually going to do even greater things than if I stayed behind. Now, on the surface level, I want to tell you, you're like, whoa, 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 time out, God. Time out, Jesus. We've watched what you've done. And we've watched what we've tried to do by just believing, and it hasn't worked. I mean, there have been occasions where we have failed miserably as disciples. I mean, we, we tried to heal, heal somebody, and it didn't work. We tried to deliver somebody, and it didn't work. You have done incredible things. How is it even possible that we could do even greater things? And he says, if I go there will be another one who will come who will empower you to do even greater things than I have done. And you think about that, from their perspective, they didn't quite understand it. But from our perspective, when you look back over 2,000 years and you see the way the church has expanded and grown from one geographical location of Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you see the, see the incredible amounts of things that the church has done down through human history to br- make hospitals and compassionate ministry center and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ that has changed thousands and millions and millions of lives down through the years. You can say, wow, God, it was better for you to leave than for him to stay. And so this idea of doing greater things, Jesus is saying to them. But notice he says that it's only pre, the only prerequisite of doing greater things was him leaving. He had to leave. And this is really what he really wants to get into is what was going to happen after he left. And this was the promise of the Holy Spirit. He also says in the answer there, and I've told you there's a lot to the answer of of Philip's question. He says, the power of prayer in Jesus' name. Because you're going to do greater things. But then he says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. And you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, if you've been around the church long enough, you've heard everybody pray. And you've heard people pray. And at the end of their prayer, they will say what? In whose name do we pray? In Jesus' name. Now, when I first became a Christian, I was like, well, that's weird. Who's that Jesus guy? You're praying to God, but you're doing it in Jesus' name. I thought it was some magical thing that happens, you know. You just just throw out the name of Jesus and you know, it happens. But what was Jesus really, really teaching here? Remember, this is on the heels of him saying, you'll do even greater things if I leave. So you're going to do greater things, but you're going to do greater things in the name of Jesus, not in your name, not in your power, not in your authority, not your will, but his will. And you can pray today and you can pray in Jesus' name, but be praying for your will and not God's will, and it won't work. You can pray in Jesus' name and think that you have some magical power. I've got I, some people, they walk around Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, like they, they think that that's some magical thing. The only emphasis of Jesus' name is that you're praying in his character. You're praying for his will. You're praying for his glory. You're praying for him to show up. And so when you're praying in Jesus' name, you're praying for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're not praying for your will to be done, but for his will to be done. But there is power in prayer when we make sure that we are praying not in our name, but the name of Jesus, in his will, in his purposes in life, that is the will of God. To ask for Jesus' sake in line with his desire and purpose to bring glory to his name. Praying in the name of Jesus is powerful when you pray for his will to be done for his ways in his life. A few years ago, there was Paul Harvey. Anybody remember Paul Harvey? I love Paul Harvey. little humorous story he tells. He says there was a three-year-old boy at a grocery store with his mother, and she sternly tells him as he enters the store, no chocolate chip cookies, so don't even ask. So in the store, She put him in the little child's seat in the cart. They wheeled down the aisles, and he was quiet until they got to the cookie aisle. When they get to the cookie aisle, he saw those delicious chocolate chip cookies and stood up and said, Mom, can I have a chocolate chip cookie? And with a strong voice, his mother said, I told you not even to ask. No. He sat down. They went down the aisle, but later had to come back to the cookie aisle again. And he asked... For them again, she told him, sit down and be quiet. I already told you no. And finally arriving at the cookie, at the checkout line, the little boy knew that it was his last chance. He had something to say quickly. So he stood up and he started to shout with a loud voice like he had heard in church. In the name of Jesus, may I have a chocolate chip cookie? Everyone around him began to laugh and applaud that little saying. And the little boy walked out with 23 boxes of cookies. <laughs> now, I'm not so sure that's the right way to pray in Jesus' name. But the little boy at least got the point. It can't be in my name. It can't be in mom's name. Maybe the name of Jesus will work. Amen. Could I just encourage you? The Holy Spirit will help you to pray in Jesus' name. The Holy Spirit will pray through you and with you in the power of the Lord and great things will happen. These disciples who were, who were timid and scared, remember after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2? There were miracles upon miracles upon miracles. Peter the guy who was doubting, the guy who, was, who, was, uh, who, who put his foot in his mouth all the time, became an incredible man of God, and he healed people in the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid to pray in the name of Jesus. There's one more answer he gives, Philip. And here was the, here was the fifth answer. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see this. He says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. We're going to come back to that in a moment. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. He will give you another counselor that will be with you in the spirit of truth. And, and what's interesting here is that the word that I thought jumped out of the phrase for me, first of all, you got counselor heard. The word there is par- paraclete, the, the, the Greek word. And this word is, is um, interpreted or, or translated in lots of different translations differently. Sometimes it's helper. Sometimes it's counselor. Sometimes it's com- comforter. There's no one exact word in English that really encompasses all that this one Greek word talking about the Holy Spirit does. So in the NIV, they use counselor. But the word that is really interesting to me that jumped off of the page, um, Jerry and Fred, here's the insight I got this week, okay? They were asking me for the insight. And the insight I got this week as I was studying was this word, another. He says to them, he will give you another counselor. The word another, literally could mean two things. There could be the word that could be the word that means alos, a- A-L-O-S, or it could be heteros. Alos means another of the same kind. Heteros, another means another of a different kind, okay? So you could have the same kind, Or a different kind. So the word here in English is just another. We're not really sure. Is it another that is different? Or another that is the same? It could be, for example, if I was to stand in church today and I would say, I'm going to give everybody in church um, a green, delicious, uh, golden, delicious apple. And I go to the store today, and I before church, and I go in there and I try to get enough apples to give to everybody, but I discover there isn't enough golden, delicious apples that I could buy at Walmart this morning. So, the second best thing is I buy a bunch of red, delicious apples. The golden is what I really want to give that's the alas, the heteros, which is another that is similar but different. Which word did Jesus use when he used the word another? Anybody want to guess? Was it this one or was it this one? What do you think? The green one. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. When he he said he will give you another, he was saying to them, I am going to, the word Jesus used described the helper or counselor was, which means I am going to give you somebody that's just like me. Just like me. Now I'm leaving you. I'm going back to the father, but I'm going to send somebody just like me. Would that be comforting to you? Would that be comforting to you? I mean, if you really like Jesus and you like his presence and you're glad he's there with you and you can travel around with him, you know, 24-7, he's right there with you. And then he says to you, I'm going to leave you. But guess what? I'm going to send someone to be with you who is just like me. Wow. I'm going to send you another one who's the spirit of truth. Now, you've had a pastor probably in the past that you really liked. You've probably discovered there's no one pastor alike. Right? So when I stood before that congregation on August 10th, 2017, and I said to them, The best is yet to come. What I couldn't say to them was, the next pastor is going to be just like me. Because guess what? There's only one me. And there's only one you. But when Jesus said to his disciples, I am going back to the Father, and I am going to have the Father send you another he was saying, I'm going to send you another one who will do what I have been doing. And he will be with you and give you. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. The world doesn't know Jesus, so the world's not going to know the spirit. The world rejected Jesus. They crucified Jesus. But you have followed me now for three years. You have have given your allegiance to me. You are my friends. You are my disciples. You will know the Spirit when the Spirit comes on you because you know me. And the Spirit will do what I have been doing in you. And so he says, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now remember, just before this he said, the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Now he says, he says, you know me, he lives with you and he will be in you. Catch that because a little later on he says, we are in you. Plural, we are in you. The three are in you. Catch that. So we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time today to tell you all that this unpacks. There's a whole lot of things the Holy Spirit does. But one of the things the Spirit does is the Spirit is truth. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to know Jesus? The Spirit connects you to Jesus. The Spirit of Christ is in the Holy Spirit, and he begins to work in you. Okay? So the apples. All right. good. All right. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit here. He also goes on to say, I will not leave you as orphans. He says, I'm not going to leave you. Guess what? When I left Ellicott City, I left. I literally left. When Jesus left, he did not leave you as orphans to fend for yourself, and try to live this Christian life by yourself. He said, no, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Now, some refer, think that he refers to here his resurrection, but it also refers to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. There are days, I want to tell you something, life gets lonely. You're all by yourself. You have no one to talk to. But guess who's there with you? The Holy Spirit, John. The Holy Spirit. He's there with you, and you, and you, and you, and you. And there are a lot of lonely people But guess what? God will never, ever leave you. Amen? He promised that. And there's only one way he could do that and leave at the same time. He sent another who was just like Jesus to be with you 24-7, 365 days a year, in all places, at all times. If that wasn't the case, guess what would happen? Currently right now for us to be with Jesus, we would all have to book an airline ticket to Jerusalem and go to the physical place where Jesus is at. Because he could only be in one place at one time. He was confined by human laws or the laws of the universe when he became Fully man and fully God. But as he goes back to the Father, he sends the Spirit to be with you. To be with you. Well, I don't have a lot of time. We've got no time actually left. But there's a third conversation. It's Judas. He's the third guy. And Judas, by the way, is not Judas Iscariot. Remember, he's the one who, who sells Jesus out. This is a different Judas. Okay, and Judas comes with the question. He says, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Once again, I want to take my head and. <laughs> I'm like, are you serious, Judas? Did you just hear Jesus? It's like he wasn't even listening. He said, The reason that the world did not recognize the Spirit is because the world doesn't know the Spirit. You know the Spirit because you know Jesus. And when you receive Christ as your Savior, you receive the Spirit into your life. And so you walk and you operate a whole different way than somebody who doesn't know God, who doesn't know Christ. You've got got like the personal assistant with you 24-7. A personal guidance counselor with you. You've got personal power with you. You've got got the teacher with you. You've got God Almighty living in your body. People go, you're weird. You want to worship him? You want to follow him? You want to serve him? Judas didn't get that obviously by the question. Now, your homework assignment is go home and read Jesus' answer. Because the answer is, if you really know me and follow me and obey me, you love me. And my spirit will be in you. I'm just going to skip to the next verse. He says, all this I have spoken while with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, by the way, just so you know. The Holy Spirit in its NUMA, this is, this is the word NUMA form, only happens a couple of times in the New Testament. Whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit's job, now catch this, is not to give you new revelation that's never been given. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach you what Jesus already taught. And to remind you of the things he taught while he was here on earth. So sometimes people think, well, the Holy Spirit's bringing all these new revelations. No, he specifically said, we'll teach you all things and we'll remind you of everything I've said to you. That's parallelism. That's him clarifying the second part of this statement will remind you of everything I have is clarifying the first part of the statement. So the Spirit's job is to lead you to follow Jesus with all your heart and be a Christ-like follower. The Spirit doesn't operate disconnected from Jesus. Jesus. He only is a continuation of what Jesus started when he came. Amen. And so, the more you want to know Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit will teach you. And he will lead you. Amen. Amen. Worship team, because you practiced that song, Dustin, and you want to sing the entire song he told me this morning. We're going to come and we're going to sing. I'm going to stop preaching because you guys are waiting back there. Just being funny this morning. So thank you so much. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for teaching us this morning. and Reminding us some of the things that you wanted to say to us as you were preparing to leave. Thank you for the truth that is found in your holy word this morning. I pray that each of us would receive the Holy Spirit this morning. Each of us would walk in the Spirit. Each of us would live in the Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, come, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.